0: When a high-end design firm presents its plan to reimagine the gift shop at the Anne Frank house, the company's overt appeals to Generation X sparks a darkly comic debate about collective trauma, the Holocaust, and tote bags, and so much more. This is a very well-done, clever take on Anne Frank and her legacy and the world we live in today. The film is called The Anne Frank Gift Shop. It's been shortlisted in the category of live action short. And we're joined today by the writer and director of The Anne Frank Gift Shop. And that would be Mickey Rapkin. Mickey, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the film, the idea and the the execution of the idea of this film. What inspired you to do this?
1: Yes, that is generally the first question. Why would someone set out to do a dark comedy about the Holocaust? But the, the, the truth is, there's two reasons. Um, 20 years ago, I went to see the Anne Frank House in Amsterdam. It's sort of everything that you think it's going to be in more. I was weeping, you know, and it was, it was silent. You know, everybody is, you know, having, they're taking their moment and the gravity of this place that you're in. And then like most museums, you exit through the gift shop. And I kind of burst out laughing, you know, like there's like, who would buy a postcard from the Anne Frank house? And what would you write on it? And who would you send it to? That image was always in my mind of this sort of, I just thought that was a funny, dark image. And then 20 years later, there was a really disturbing study It was the first 50-state study of young Americans and their knowledge of the Holocaust. And it showed horrifying results. Two-thirds of young Americans couldn't tell you how many Jews were killed in the Holocaust. 11% of respondents somehow believed Jews caused the Holocaust. And it made international news. It was horrifying. And I wanted to make a short film. I wanted to First, I wanted it to be funny first. This film was a comedy first. But I also wanted it to say something and mean something. And I sort of married these two ideas and came up with the Anne Frank gift shop.
0: You always wanted it to be funny in this kind of sardonic way, right? That, that I'm just assuming.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, the point, you know, I feel like, and, and we talk about this in the movie, young American, young people in general are flooded with horrible images all day you know we they have t- access to tragedy in their pocket 24 yeah. hours a day through their phones so they're desensitized to it this is not this is not my idea this is scientists have a term for this it's called empathy fatigue yeah. and it's really hard to reach young people today and i think one way to reach them is to disarm them with comedy you know i think this film speaks a comedy language that they're used to hearing on the office or the succession and disarms them so that we can then make this emotional appeal which is we have to keep telling the story again and again or it will happen again
0: yeah and as an example it's it's a different approach but it's similar if any of our listeners have younger listeners have seen the producers either the film the first film or the second mm-hmm. film or the play in the same way that adolf hitler is mocked in a way that. Sort of calls attention to the lunacy and idiocy of his particular life, if you will. Yeah. I, I think that I think that's, and I do think that comedy getting people into a different space does provide an opportunity for people to hear things differently as well. Yeah,
1: and the crazy thing about you bringing up the producers is Mel Brooks. If Anne Frank was alive today, she'd be three years younger than Mel Brooks. Oh, my God. Mel Mel Brooks is still working. Mel Brooks had a show on Hulu last year. You know, this is not ancient history, but people are starting to forget. So we're out here. I want to make people laugh. I want to entertain people. But I also feel and hope that they leave this film thinking about this chapter of history in a new way.
0: And it wouldn't work if you hadn't assembled a terrific cast to kind of play this out. And the fact that you do all of this in 15 minutes, the fact that you're able to introduce a whole cast of people, present points of view, done in such a way that everyone kind of lands with their own particular whatever they're doing as the character really, really works well here. So talk Uh, a little bit about yeah. So talk. Let's talk about uh, what went into sort of as you're putting the film together, the elements you were looking for. It's it's a upscale PR office. It looks the part. Everybody looks. Yeah. So go talk. Every, you know, we about-
1: got we got so lucky with this cast. I want to start with Kate Burton because Kate Burton's a legend, and she you know was nominated for a Tony for Hedda Gabler, and young people will recognize her from Scandal and from basically every Shonda Rhimes production, um, Kate Burton is, is in there, but she plays in our film, the head of the museum. And I felt like she re- we needed that character to have gravitas. We needed someone like Kate Burton because for the comedy to work, you really needed to believe this woman runs the museum and she's empowered to come here and make these decisions. So we got, so Kate was amazing, but you know, the first person we cast was Jason Butler-Harner who was so great on Ozark and Handmaid's Tale and a million other things. And he also happens to be my husband. So he had to do the film. But um, Ari Grainer is an old friend. and And I don't, she didn't do the film because she's a friend, you know, I'm sure it was part of it, but she responded to the material, you know, she was busy. She was, happened to be out in LA filming Winning Time for HBO. And she responded to this story. She felt like it was important and it was funny. And she's like, I'll come play with you for two days. Chris Perfetti from Abbott Elementary. We sent it to him. I, I met him a couple of times. We have some mutual friends and we all went out to, he was coming to, he was in LA and we were, our mutual friend was visiting and we had a group dinner and Ari Grainer was very funny. She's like, bring it up at dinner and I'll guilt Chris into doing it in front of everybody. So, And that's exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> Well and yeah, and the, we just got so secret lucky with the sauce
0: for me this in, in this is uh the character of Madison, uh Mary yes. Beth Baron. She really nails uh I mean, she there's a lot for her character to do in a very short period of time. Yes, we got so lucky. So Madison
1: um is an influencer that in this short film, she's been hired. The design firm hire brings her into this meeting to help to bring in this youth perspective. And everybody in the room is sort of judgmental of her. Like, who is this influencer? In the opening scene, they say like, she has 700,000 followers and Heineken flew her to Amsterdam for an activation and she squeezed in a visit to the Anne Frank house and said it was big. So there's, you know, the the room is sort of stacked against her. Mary Beth Brown plays her. She's a a young comedian, super funny, did stand up on, Jimmy Fallon had her on the show on the Tonight Show to do stand up. She's she's great, and I kept whispering to her, you know, like you're the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Don't forget, Madison's the smartest person in the room. She knows how to talk to young people. They need her here. On paper, you could think the character, we, you know, we like to make fun of influencers, you know, that they're a joke, that they're this and that, but she brings a really valuable perspective. And Mary Beth, she did. She was so
0: funny. She was. And I think the fact that she is in many ways, at least a representative of the, of the target audience that you're hoping to reach.
1: Yeah. And I also, I just like, I, I don't get to talk enough about um, our costume designer, Stacey Batat. She did Sofia Coppola's movie, Presley, for this season, you know, yeah. like about Priscilla Presley. Like she's, Stacey's amazing, but she was so good about making sure these characters looked the part. Yeah. And that Madison like, you know, Madison has, like, a blazer and kind of a crop top. Yeah. And it's, like, a smart – a really smart way of dressing. She just, like, nailed it. And, you know, we only, like you said, we only had 15 minutes, and you really need to introduce these characters. And I think the costuming went – did so much work.
0: I agree with you. I agree. There's a – yeah, there is definitely a vibe. The I don't want to say Kardashian. Maybe I will say Kardashian. There's a little bit of that vibe in that character and the way she is presented. I mean, she has yeah. – She's smart looking. She looks, just as you said, yeah. she looks smart. She's dressed smart. Yeah. yeah. And and she's even willing to, and I'll use a word I can't use. in the. She She's willing to fuck with these people as well. She, I mean,
1: she's got a strong point of view yeah. and she was great. And even just little subtle things, you know, we gave her one of those, you know, big water bottles with a straw. And she was just like, so funny using that as a prop. She was just, everybody really came together and we felt something on like listen did we think we we're going to make the oscar short lesson no not in a billion years we were just like happy to get the pages done and shoot this thing in two days on a limited budget and the cast we only we didn't get to rehearse we had one zoom reading together but there was something magical about these actors together in the room like we just got so
0: lucky i think anytime you're approaching a subject like the holocaust and anne frank it really kind of Focuses the mind in a way yeah. that you wouldn't other maybe otherwise be. So you answered the question I was just gonna ask you. Yeah. Were you surprised when you when you woke up on whatever Tuesday morning that was and found out you were on the short list? Or
1: I almost drove off the road. I I knew we knew that they would be announced that day. I assumed I would get an email, like mm-hmm. letting me know. I, I, I was like checking my phone like a lunatic. Nothing. Um, it was like the one weird day where it was pouring in LA. Mm-hmm. Like it was raining so hard. I got a friend sent like a GIF of Aretha Franklin tearing off her wig, <laughs> and I was like, "Is that good? Is that bad? Is he mad? Like, what does this mean?" And then another friend forwarded me the press release that went out to media yeah. listing, you know, the short list. I didn't get the official email from the academy till like the afternoon. Okay. um But I mean, it was official that it, I saw the press release, like it yeah. was real, but I just, I could, I, and I literally like almost drove off the road. I, I pulled over, I called my producer, you know, we, I couldn't believe it.
0: Well, congratulations. I, one other question about all of this, and that is the reaction. What has been the reaction? Uh, granted, that short, Live action films are not generally released in a theatrical release, although yeah. although they used to package them all up. I don't know if they they're they're
1: still- They still doing- do. They still do. Um, once the final nominations happen, um, there's a company that, that puts them in theaters. Yeah. You know, we premiered at the LA Shorts Film Festival in July, and I'd never seen it with anybody. Very few people had seen it at all, and I'd never seen it in a room with anybody. You know how these festivals work. You know, like you're on a bill of seven shorts, nobody announces the films. They just play. I didn't even know the order they were going to be in. And I'm sitting in the theater in downtown LA, 300 people or whatever it is. And the movies are playing, you know, it's like, okay, we're not the first one. We're not the second one. We're not the third one. And the movies are, they couldn't be more different in subject matter in in everything. And I don't know anyone in this audience. They're all there to see whatever their friends, whatever the thing is. And I'm just slinking down in my chair further and further, like, oh my God, what have I done? We're about to play... That Anne Frank gift shop cold in this theater. No one says like, "Hey, you're about to see a dark comedy about the Holocaust." You know, nobody says anything. It just plays, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I, I, this is I, I like wanted to throw up." You know, the film just starts. It was the last one of the of the of that program. The film just starts. You know, abruptly in this yeah. in this kitchen in the office kitchen. As soon as the title came up, the Anne Frank gift shop, everybody laughed. And I let out like the biggest sigh of relief. Really? Like, okay, they they get it. Okay. They know that it's a comedy. There's a moment in the middle of the film where the influencer tells this very, this dramatic story about a Holocaust survivor. Then I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it's a big dramatic moment. You could hear a pin drop. And I was like, we got them. Like this thing works and it's was it's been amazing and then since then you know i've seen it at various film festivals across the country crowds of old people young people all kinds of people they get it and they laugh and they're emotional at the end like i, I want to make sure people know like it's not a comedy throughout like it takes a turn and and it very much has an emotional um landing that reminds people of you know the horrors of the holocaust and it's been incredible and gratifying to see it, you know, we had a screening this week at the Museum of Tolerance in Los Angeles that Selma Blair hosted, which was amazing because she's referenced in the movie. There's, you know, this joke about Selma Blair, which is true that she did the audiobook. She recorded the audiobook for The Diary of Anne Frank, for The Diary of a Young Girl, which is, you know, the Anne Frank's diary. She was actually nominated for a Grammy for it, but she came out to host this event and introduced the film and she was incredible. It, it's just been a kind of magical experience. I'm so great. I can't believe where we are. It would be incredible to be nominated, obviously. Um, but we're like, what an amazing experience.
0: Well, good for you and well-deserved. Uh, I just, again. Thank you. not knowing what exactly to expect, Betsy sent it to me. She said, I think you'll like this. And, uh, (laughs) you know, so cued it up and and let it fly. And, uh, yeah, really, truly. And as a writer and director, that's a, that's a great place to be. It's a great place Uh to go out. And as you continue your work in, in film, uh, certainly a, a good thing to be able to present to whoever you're talking to. And, um, yeah, my, my congratulations on many different levels, uh, truly. Thank you uh, so, thank uh, you you so you much. You took a chance, and that's another thing about being a filmmaker. You get to take chances, and you did, and it paid off. This,
1: this was definitely a big swing.
0: Well, my congratulations to you. The film, again, is the Anne Frank Gift Shop, and it has been shortlisted for Best Live Action Short for the Academy Awards for 2024. I believe the 96th Oscars. Yes, the 96th. Uh, We've been speaking with the writer and director of the Anne Frank Gift Shop, and that would be Mickey Rapkin. Mickey, thank you so very much for spending some time with us here on Film School Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films.